All right, so we're in the car on the way back from Motorcycle Live. We were thinking of doing a podcast from the show, weren't we? We were, but then we decided that we would do it on route because we both want to get home. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long day, and then I think the main preventative factor was that they anytime there was something on the main stage they played it over the sound system of the whole um, yeah unless you want to hear Steve Plater talking over the top yeah (laughs) it was a little bit loud and you couldn't even really hold a conversation with the person next to you let alone record a podcast so we thought we'd do it in the car on the way back Um, although Let's see how that works out, sort of motorway noise-wise. We're in a quite a nice car, aren't we? In a oh, oh, see, that was that was the cliffhanger from the last podcast, I believe, was uh, our version of clickbait to find out what car we're in. Yeah, because normally I get upgraded by my guys at... Uh, wait, where am I going? Here? Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. i got to say, you uh, <laughs> you didn't disappoint, though. Oh, say, sorry, yeah, sorry, I had to concentrate for a moment there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, normally I get upgraded. Yeah. Crikey. (laughs) Upgraded by the guys at Thrifty Car Hire that are local to me. So I made big promises to Tim that I would cheaply buck a VW Golf, but we'd get some kind of upgrade. And then I left it as a a surprise for Tim. And then this morning, we're in a BMW 520. Mm -hmm. It's a a nice little car, this. It's only got a thousand miles on the clock as well. So it's brand spanking new. New car smell. It's so we're travelling in style. Vegas lights in the doors and dash. I've got heated seats, which to begin oh, with I thought was shout. me wetting myself. Yeah, let's get them on. Those back on. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, Tim, you're one half of the podcast and without it, like it would just be <laughs> me talking on my own. So I know I've got to look after you when we travel, make sure Appreciate we get it. some nice wheels. I feel very well looked after. Keep you in the, in the good, well, keep myself in the good books. <laughs> So yeah, it was quite fun, wasn't it, the show? Yeah, it was really good. Uh, we got there super early. It was quiet, wasn't it? Crack of dawn, yeah. Um, so we managed to get around it quite quick, I feel, actually. Um, in the last podcast episode, we talked about Eichma. So I'd seen quite a few of these bikes. So I thought what would be quite good for the drive home from the show would be if you talked about some of your... Well, you could do the same thing. You could do three favourite bikes from Top Motorcycle picks. Live. Yeah, because... We, we saw a few nice bikes, didn't we? Yeah, we did. As far as, uh, I don't know whether three there are three bikes that I would, or it would be three bikes that I would pick as my highlights from the show that I would want to own or something like that. I think one of my highlights actually was seeing the BMW electric concept in the flesh, so to speak. Obviously, it was just on a podium spinning around. So that's, what was it called? The Roadster, DC Roadster, that's what it's called. I think I did yeah. a video about that. You some have done it, yeah. Time ago, and it looks it's cool. I, yeah, I saw that last week. But the 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 BMW stand in Milan was so busy with uh, the older kind of crowd of bikers. Yeah. You can definitely tell who they appeal to, and I don't know if that's partly the cost of them no. and the fact that sort of younger bikers can't afford them, but definitely crowded around that whole stand. And I didn't get a good look, but today we were right in front of it and it's a yeah. it's an awesome look. I know it's only a concept but there's a lot of nice little design work on in there it's beautiful it? it's really odd I mean it's we, I, I think I was saying to you it's nice if you're going to go with this whole new wave of bikes you've got two schools of, of uh, thought on it you can either go for trying to make it look like what bikes do now and try and sort of uh, 
ingratiate yourself into the already you know the biking crowd by making it similar to what they already know or you can just own the fact that it's a brand new machine and make it really weird and wacky and out there and that this one definitely falls within that category whether what they eventually come out with looks anywhere near that who the hell knows but for the moment it's it's a really pretty eye-catching talked about thing there was a few disparaging comments and sort of sarcastic funny comments or people's attempts at being funny but other than that I think people seemed like they liked it and I take what you're saying sometimes people do stuff to try and emulate things that are currently available yeah and we didn't talk about it at the show but actually there was a stand there for Vetus I don't know if you've seen that but it's a I didn't see that going on actually e- well, maybe I did I think they call it an, an E-twin so like okay. a V-twin <laughs> but right, in- okay. instead of two cylinder heads yeah it's two battery packs in right. a V formation and then the, the sort of um, where the crankshaft would be uh, there's a, a round motor and so it does look quite V-twin-esque mm-hmm. it's quite cool it's actually an interesting story of how it came about and I first saw that bike at the bike shed when they had an electric room at the last show yeah yeah mm-hmm. and basically this guy he as his day job pilots luxury yachts around the med right and <laughs> when he is in uh, in a port I want to say or in a harbour okay he wanted something that was green and lightweight and easy to lift on and off the boat right. for getting around yeah. towns and stuff yeah. doing his little jobs um, and going to social things because I think it's quite from his photos on the Vetis uh, Instagram account oh, wait sorry I was going a little bit quick there sorry um, yeah you can see like he gets up to all sorts of parties and things like that and he's actually got quite famous yacht owners posing with the bike quite often you know right. F1 type crowd yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well as like a list of supermodels and stuff like that sure. so what he did the first one that he built was a BSA Bantam frame an old one yeah, so a little okay. tiny okay. retro cool looking bike and then he just did a one off job converting it to electric yeah um, and then people loved it you know people would see it at these events and see it on the boat or on the harbour side yeah and ask him about it and so now he's gone into production or at least he's attempting to go into production but he's tried to use all British manufacturers and suppliers for things like the equipment um, you know suspension and stuff is, is UK made I think right and the, the end result is something that isn't ridiculously fast it's not designed for motorway use it's like a getting around a harbour type thing um, but it's meant it's like a thing of beauty you know it's really beautiful to look at it right. looks a little bit like a CCM in a way because it's that sort of size and mm-hmm. it's got the spoke wheels and stuff but um, I think it's 50 grand <laughs> that's the end <laughs> yeah. thanks for ending on that and it's got like a hundred mile range so it's really a bit of a collector's or yeah. a prestige thing it's a luxury wow. brand and you never know he might move into something more affordable but maybe uh, I mean so I, I mean I take it it didn't cost him that to, to, or maybe it did cost him you don't know. developing it yeah maybe it did so oh that, I, that was interesting to see he had a stand right. there because he's obviously taking it seriously to try and get more well, into the 
broader consciousness of bikers. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, t- I messaged him on Instagram saying, <laughs> can I come and make a video about the bike after the bike shed? Because I thought it was a really interesting yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. But then because of his schedule and me just not being willing to chase like 20 times, um, right, okay. I just, I let it drop, but I might pick that up if he, you Try know, he's getting more visibility. Unless you can, you can go to the med. But that, yeah, <laughs> but that's absolutely that type of thing that you're talking about. Taking a BSA Bantam and then converting it into something a bit so more. Yeah, and I think there's, uh, to be fair, I think there is, uh, there are reasons to do both. But and I think there's validity in both as well. But the BMW is the bleeding it's, edge oh, of motorcycle design, yeah, right? Yeah, it really is. Like it has to be. Oh. Yeah, Ooh, definitely else has that. to be. My direction's um, not very good today. I'm, I'm doing all right with concentrating on not speeding and getting too close to people, but. You're okay. If you need me, I can take over for the conversation. Thanks. I'll just throw in uh, a nice song or two. I yeah. think it's because we, we turned the voice directions for the sat nav I don't want to hear her talking. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't want to get sued by BMW for using their copyrighted voice yeah. in our podcast, yeah. of course. But. Um, it does help actually, but I think we're on a straight bit of motorway now for the next uh, 45 miles, it says on the sat nav. This, this is me home, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, it was really nice to see it. Part of the, what I liked about it was the, I like the fact that it just looks like it's a load of discs put together. The battery. It looks like, well, the whole thing. Yeah. There's, there's, that's kind of the design across all of it. And it's, it, obviously there's these fins and it looks like it would have a practical functional use in that it would cool it down but also it's just really cool to look at I love it I like everything about it maybe not so much the angle if you were sitting on it That's yeah it's very steeply raked down towards the front yes. and um, also did you notice that the grips had a bit of an oval profile to them I, I did not no I, I was thinking it I just didn't tell you at the time okay because maybe you were saying something better than that. I highly doubt it. Um, <laughs> but um, you know that, I don't know if you watched the video I made, but what was quite interesting about that bike was like they, were, they, they said it's a, you know, totally modern. We want to take BMW forward and yeah. design something really pushing the forefront and the boundaries of yeah, yeah, what yeah. motorcycles can be. Yeah. But they still wanted to include some famous BMW technologies or design cues. So. The two that yeah, two that spring to mind. One is yeah. like you said, there's some there's some cooling fins. Yeah, I think you could see when we looked at it up close, there were hoses. So I don't know if there's some like fluid coolant that goes into those fins, and that gets cooled there and then back into the battery to cool the battery down. Maybe super like great idea is, yeah, for advanced. tying it in. The other thing was the power lever front suspension. So it's like. Yeah, also, yeah, I don't know yeah, if it yeah. is power lever. There's a no, no, it's not. They've got a different one that was on some of their K sixteen hundred type bikes. Right. Uh, I can't remember the name. Oh, but it is yeah, a mono yeah, shock yeah, with yeah, like yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. really anyway. strange on the front. Yeah, weird suspension basically. Uh-huh. Um, that looks, yeah, definitely BMWs. So I agree. Seeing that bike up close was great, and even things like the wheels. It's got a single sided swing arm. Yeah. And, oh, shaft drive. That was the other thing that they said. They wanted to keep it shaft drive. Yes. A lot of electric bikes are belt. And it's, I think, for the most part, it's for efficiency and uh, the sort of cleanliness of it as well, to be fair. Because obviously, Energica, as we both rode. Oh, no, you didn't ride I it, didn't did ride you? the no, Energica. you've seen it, though. Because I just looked. I, I was yeah. riding all the zeros that day. And yeah. 
I looked at the specs for the Energica. Yeah. And I saw that it was like 260 or 70 kilos or something crazy. And I was yeah, just like, that's, that's not going to be as good as the SRF. So I just didn't bother. But I uh, wish I yeah. had. That's a very... It's, it would be nice to try. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you, there was a lot of bikes to try there that day. But anyway, they go for the chain drive. So the chain drive they go for, and I think it's more because of their racing pedigree, because um, chain is more slightly more efficient and it's a lighter um, am i right in thinking use. the zeros are some of them belt and they, they're all the belt, I, I think. are they but isn't the srf chain no no the srf i believe was was belt no in fact i know it was belt yeah is it yes interesting um which is cleaner it it, it lasts a little bit longer don't um, have to service you it. don't not quite like the same clean and, yeah, yeah it's just it, it does make sense on an electric motor more more than the chain does and you can hear the chain slapping against the frame and stuff like that and it's i personally if i was going for electric i would prefer the belt have you ever seen there's a website i think it might be on free spirits they sell a few custom parts yeah and they do some really interesting conversions for the street twin like you can get a brembo disc conversion for the front right so change it to a four part and uh and then like a, it might be a Galfa disc or something like a, a, a floating disc, which I don't think it is floating. Anyway, 600 quid, so I've never done yeah. it. Um, but they also have a belt conversion kit for the Street Twin. What the hell? Yeah. Which is, I, I can see the benefits quite, yeah, in that like, cool. I ride mine through winter, yeah. salt sticks to the um, chain lube, and then eventually you know, rusts it. If so, I was using it, yeah, I'd be half tempted by that as a commuter. But it looks pretty ugly. <laughs> it just doesn't look Are right. You're driven by looks, Rob. Well, belts look great <laughs> on cruisers. They do. Um, they look kind of cool, but on a street twin, you know, it's got that old school yeah. Bonneville vibe. You can't have All a belt. Right. Well, you've got to keep lubing and uh, conditioning keep, your chain. I've got to keep lubing. <laughs> keep on lubing. But. Thanks for that advice, Tim. It's all uh, right. It's, it's sound what advice about my chain, forward. though? <laughs> <laughs> But the the sort of uh, the reason I think the fact that BMW had gone for a shaft, potentially going for shaft drive on theirs, is interesting. Is that it's obviously heavier than going for a belt, and the whole name of the game in terms of power conservation when you're using an electric motor and the battery is going for as light as you possibly can and the most efficient that you can to get the longest range out of the battery. It's an interesting uh, decision they've taken with it if they finally uh, have that on whatever they come to make. But um, yeah, I'd be curious to see that going forward. Um, as far as other bikes that interested me, I was I was quite interested with the um, the Norton. The Norton? Yeah, the, I was. The Atlas? Yes. Nomad Atlas and what? Ranger is the other one. Yes, I believe so, yeah. Are they both the Atlas and one's the Nomad and the Ranger, I believe? Nomad's a little bit more road orientated. Mm -hmm. The Ranger, I think, is a bit more off-road, so taller suspension yeah knobblier tires that yeah even trail riders on one and trek riders on the other yeah um and yeah i saw them at london last year and they're they're nice looking aren't they they're quite cool and similar to you being excited obviously over the um the aprilia um, yeah rs660 with it being a twin version of their four cylinder just essentially kind of lopped off to two cylinders that's similar to what they've done with the the uh, Norton the Atlas because they've you can see the engines there they've got them in the cases obviously and it's, it's interesting to see them side by side to see yeah. how they've adapted that engine to make it a twin a two cylinder um, and I just like them they're quite a cool bike 
I don't know that I'll be seeing many of them around. I don't know how many people will be buying them. Well, um, I mean, it was the beginning of the year when I saw them at the London show. I think it's yeah. February, is it? Yes. Um, yes. And, you know, they'd already taken orders. I think I saw on their okay. Twitter recently, like maybe last week, that they said that they've started production. So I think that's always the frustration with them is like the time of delivery but also they're, yeah. they're a small company and they're on a yeah, shoe, not was, a shoestring yeah. but you know they, they I think they had to build more space to build these bikes and I also saw a tweet where is it Stuart Garner is that his name I think so um, the CEO was posted a selfie in like a big warehouse where he said this is our new factory space yeah so I I think I've seen got posts about upgrading their factory yeah more capacity to, to build more bikes which and, they would um, need if they've taken orders on it it's a similar problem to CCM obviously where they had this they had the, the Spitfire. Spitfire and the demand was quite impressive for that bike but then they had trouble fulfilling the orders it promptly nice problem to, to have well, yeah, yeah yeah definitely um, useful for you um, but also interesting, um, just to kind of round off on, well, not round off on Norton, but one thing that was interesting about Norton in the news last week as well that was that they're crowdfunding a million pounds from their potential uh, customers or anyone who's a Norton fan yeah. in order to scale up production of some of these bikes. Now, I don't know if that's an indication that they need the cash or whether they just think if we had it, we could accelerate this. But at least they're thinking of creative ways to, um, you know, deliver these bikes because they've got the super light as well, which I think is the same parallel twin motor, but in a sort of sports bike yeah. chassis. Um, yes. But what I saw in one of the articles was maybe that they're the oldest company to ever crowdsource funding it's, because it's like a hundred and something years old. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Anyway, and I, yeah, and the same engine that they were well, essentially want to use, like you say, in the sports bike version as well. I mean, that thing's beautiful, absolutely stunning. We didn't look too. Which wasn't there, I don't think. I don't know whether I saw light. it. I think it was at London. I might have seen it there, um, but I don't think I saw it at this show. Maybe I just wasn't looking hard enough. But um. so we didn't look that closely at the two scramblers, the uh, Atlas Nomad and Ranger, but. One thing that, when I did do a video of them at the mm. London show, and I did a lot of close-ups, mm -hmm. was that a few people in the comments said that they looked a little bit, well, homemade some of the parts. And I think that's something I've heard about some of the parts on Norton's before. Mm -hmm. If you look at uh, some of the little side panels, yeah, the bash plate underneath that's on the more off-roady model, yeah. the Ranger, and um, some of the way that they've used mesh, they're quite busy in design. Yeah. And they are quite, yeah, I can see what people are saying, but maybe that's part of the appeal. It's, that yeah, it depends on your tastes, does it, a little? I mean, I'd, the, I'd agree, the Dominator yeah. looks a little, could look a little busy. Yeah. I personally quite like the look of it, but do I understand you? if someone, yeah, I do like the Dominator, but yeah, I understand but you've if got, someone looked at it. You, you, like, you like the oddball bikes, don't you? Yeah, well, yeah. You, you don't I mean, like my to bike be, history has proven anything. You, you like to be, yeah, swimming in your own lane, don't you? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm the, I'm your sort of meat and two veg yeah. Bonneville kind Who of guy. Who wants to go to a community pool and splash about with, uh, with everyone else? I'd rather have my own lane. I mean, yeah, the street twin, in terms of 
bikes to own, it's not exactly distinctive, is it? You've the made it distinctive. Of, I have, yeah. yeah. And that's what appealed to me was like, this is a blank yeah. canvas for making whatever you want and it's good for that. That's why but it yeah, is good for that. I don't know if I would, can, I, I love weird bikes. They give me something to talk about yeah. and think about and read about. And, yeah. and that's like part of the culture. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd ever buy a Grizzo. No. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever buy a second Grizzly. <laughs> I don't. Know, I'm not saying that in a um, you know negative way. Yeah, I, I admire know. your bravery. I I get these things where I see it and I, it, intri- it intrigues me, and I you think, have to well, have I just it. have to know what it's like. Um, and I, that's it. It's just it, if it sparks any form of curiosity in me, then I kind of have to know what it's like. And then that's a lot of what draws me towards the bikes that I test as well is is it fascinating to me in some way Um, same as you I'm sure I mean if you get on a bike and you've got nothing to say it's it doesn't make for good content it doesn't make for intrigue you know interest for yourself either so yeah if something fascinates me and I'm not averse to owning said fascinating bike either um, it just depends on how long you would then keep it it's good content for us as well if you buy weird bikes and they break down it's you know there's more to talk about yeah if you were like tim how are you this week and i said yeah everything's great my My bike's running fine how's your bike yep got me here fine (laughs) the conversation would just end there as opposed to i broke down on the m40 (laughs) it's not even just the conversation i actually genuinely look forward to seeing you and hearing what's been going on you know there's always something with that thing. So. <laughs> it's yeah, it's developed further. I won't, I won't go any more on that. You've already had the conversation. I won't bore anyone else with it um, until I know more myself. So the the Norton, that's that's your number two. Uh, mate, we, we yeah, have... I think it is maybe my number two. Um, there were another two bikes that kind of interested me that I got sat and quite liked. One, obviously, is on the cutting edge, which would be the Harley Livewire, which was fun. Um, mainly because they're on the rolling road, so you got a chance to sit on it and actually feel a sense of what it would be like. Obviously, it's nowhere near like taking it on the road. You just won't get the same kind of impression from it. And you can't really tell. When they're saying rev it up to 60 miles an hour, and, oh, doesn't that feel fast? You're like, no. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm exactly where I started. They ought to have put a huge fan in front yeah, of you. Yeah, they should have done. Driven off the, the wheels that you're spinning around. Yeah, exactly. Um, or just at least somehow plugged it into the ECU so that it gets faster yeah, when you accelerate. Yeah. Well, they could have plugged it into the rolling road and then just spin the fan. Um, that might look a bit amateur for... <laughs> for, for, for <laughs> For a bike that's meant to be at the bleeding edge. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, But yeah, it was still nice. And I had one kind of main uh, goal from sitting on it and testing it. And that, I say testing it, like I actually got an idea of it. And that was to feel what the haptic feedback was like, which I'm pleased to say was... I was going to say pleasing, interesting. Tim. felt like how I wanted to. It had a pulse, it had a heartbeat. Once I watched a... um, program on channel four yeah about mechophiles which are people who are <laughs> in love with machines in an intimate way it. and you just said that the pulsing of the live wire yeah. was pleasing it was pleasing yeah yeah, yeah i'm not i'm Look, not making Rob, any link there just <laughs> stating two separate facts i saw that documentary and i heard you say that yeah well no you are <laughs> your brain's clearly making a link between it's bridging the gap between them yeah you can see the sparks flying well, under my hat it hasn't gone exhaust there are no holes on it there's nothing to make you'll find one solid of that you'll find one um no i i, I agree. couldn't think of the word it was 
I don't want to just say interesting. I think again, I know what you. I think I know the word. You're saying reassuring, maybe. Yeah. Because we both said when you get on the zero and you switch the ignition on, yeah. and the dash lights up and it mm. says on already. Yeah. And then um, you don't really know. There's of the old ones. It was you sort of have to look for that because you can turn it on without arming it as well. To I think to, to a degree. So it's until you see that little green light that says go or live or active or whatever it is, you don't actually know necessarily whether it's going to move forward until you just turn you know tweak yeah. the throttle and it moves. It's a, it's a bit daunting. And I mean that's one of those things that you will get used to. That like I try yeah. not to go too hard on bikes that I'm reviewing for things like Honda switched round the horn and yeah, indicator on the CB650. Yeah. I'm like, a lot of people complain about that. And yeah, yeah. like, why why book convention? Like, just do it the same way around as everyone else and, and it'll be easy. But at the it, same time, like, how many of us ride that many different bikes? Like, if that's your main bike, yeah, you'll, you'll get, get used, used to it. it in a week. Easy, yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't think the fact that the... Um, zero SRF for example like the fact that that doesn't vibrate no isn't a problem unless you are a mechophile <laughs> in which case it'd be preferable well for fellow mechophiles yeah I can speak on behalf of myself it was pleasing <laughs> to have it vibrate underneath me it was so if you sit on a bike if you started a petrol motor and Obviously, going from a, a motor Guzzi where it is, it is part of what sells the machine is that you have that kind of visceral feedback. You can feel it. Um, and the same goes for things like a Harley when you start it. And you've got to think, for Harley owners, current Harley owners, would they miss that kind of feedback or that character? So when you power it up and it pulses like a V-twin rumbling away underneath you, yeah. in a very subtle way and it genuinely feels like a heartbeat because it's the same kind of rhythm um, and it feels very healthy it's probably about 58 beats a minute or something like that it's, it's, uh, it's quite a healthy heartbeat obviously exercises a lot um, <laughs> your, your uh, medical background is finally coming in handy for the podcast is 58 okay <laughs> it's probably really low did yeah, you get your medical <laughs> qualification online you bought it on eBay I did you can get anything online Dr Tim yeah you can get accredited. Yeah. I can print my... Uh, no, I just printed something off. Do you know what I was thinking about? Um, Medical stuff? No. <laughs> well, no. Um, when you put your phone on silent, your iPhone... Yeah. Wait, you're on Android, aren't you? Uh, yes. Well, on, on iOS, uh-huh. let's say your phone is on silent and you know it vibrates just like... Yeah. Whatever. You can, for certain contacts, customise that pattern of vibration yeah, 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 yeah. and you tap the screen don't you to be yeah. like but 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 yeah. and I did that so that if my wife rings like oh you, so you tap it so it does what you tap yeah it vibrates yeah. what you tap so that if I'm got my phone in my pocket and I'm at work but my, like my wife doesn't ring me at work for anything other than like uh, a couple of weeks ago one of the kids at nursery hit our daughter over the head with a like a puzzle board right that's the sort of thing that she rings me for where you're like okay I have to go and pick my concussed toddler up <laughs> so like it's kind of good to know when she rings so it's quite handy so I'm wondering if you you know they talked about the sound that the live yeah. wire plays being customizable I'd also like customizable pulsing it would be nice and I, I mean they, they need to they need <laughs> it wouldn't to, be nice it, they need to play on this sort of thing as well or you could make it any bike if you can customize the sound, sounds and the vibration you can make it vibrate really fast 
and make a high pitched sound right. and, and make I'm no not. no no Tim, this isn't going where you're thinking. You can make it like a what, two stroke. When Harry met Sally. <laughs> you can make it like a you know, like a small capacity two stroke. Uh-huh. Or you could do a slow, like big v-, v twin and then a low rumble and you can ride any bike you want essentially with the life one or turn it into a massive 30 grand vibrator yeah um great so <laughs> i think that's the end of the podcast <laughs> and we'll get you, you can't can you <laughs> top that how can you i'll circle back around to it good um we'll make that the closer yeah i, I when i said <laughs> when i said it was nice i think that was just me filling in gaps um, oh, Tim, I do know what you mean. Stop though. with the no, not euphemisms. <laughs> I do. I know what you mean, though. Uh, it, the, what I meant was the customization, being able to customize it, sound-wise or dash-wise, or you know the, all the tweaks that you can do on your phone. They really need to play into that sort of thing because I guess that's what's going to entice a few people. It's a nice little sweetener for getting it. It's never going to convince you solely to buy these sorts of things, but I have to say. Would it convince me to spend an extra 10 grand on a bike? No, obviously not. If there was, the difference was, you know, say a thousand pounds and one just had a different character, something that made it stand out and feel different, as well as being practical and having range and things and the battery being more usable, um, you know, those are the little things that, that might endear you towards it enough to uh, to start spending money on it. It's a shame. It was, not, it was a good bike. It's a shame for saying. the live wire um, at Eichmer couple of weeks ago they yeah. had an awesome display mm. the floor would I, did I t- I think I said about this in the last podcast did I and I'm just repeating yeah. I often worry that I repeat stuff from previous podcasts did I'll I talk you. about this I don't think so the floor was white and backlit and so was the wall and then it just said live wire in black writing yeah. so it was like you're on a sci-fi set uh. it was so cool really really cool way to yeah. display it they didn't have that in fact that's a running theme across all of the stands here at motorcycle live is that they are slightly scaled down slightly less yeah, ridiculous yeah. like the MV Augusta stand today was great they had some beautiful that machines that was going to be my next pick yeah, okay well we'll, we'll talk about the bike in a sec but yeah. when I was at Eichma they were playing like Italian opera singing at like a really loud volume <laughs> as a kind of like the most blatant way to say we're an Italian motorcycle company <laughs> In Italy, well, they ended up deal with it. Pasta as well. Come and yeah, come and look at our bikes. <laughs> it was really awesome. And then they had some quite interesting like sculptures and the way it was laid out. Um, and it was the That's same the, for all yeah. of the manufacturers. Like you know, the Africa Twin on the Honda stand yeah. was, you know, it, it was nicely displayed. A couple of bikes, but at Eichma, it was like they'd put a whole rock garden and just put a couple of bikes. And the, the yeah. Honda stand was massive. And then also a couple of the bikes were missing. So the yeah, Scrambler yeah, so concept from yeah. Ducati, the Husqvarna yeah. Norden concept, yeah. the R18 concept. I guess it's still a little early for them, for the most part, to stick out some of those things. Maybe they just don't feel like it would be necessary. But even the Aprilia RS660 didn't. That one it. I was surprised by. That's a shame. Because the bike has been made, so they have that. And they it's have not two a concept, concepts. that's the bike. Yeah. But they so have the Twono concept at Eichma. So as well, like there's even more missing. Well, true, but if you've got a bike where you're 
nearly ready to start rolling them out and you don't then bring that to something like the NEC. I mean, there'll be decisions, there'll be reasons for it, I'm sure, but it is a little bit strange if people are looking at buying the next bike for, you know, next year or people looking to buy their first bike so they've just passed their full license and they're really looking to treat themselves. Yeah. I think it might be a little bit of a missed opportunity there not to bring the Aprilia RS660 and I say that only from the standpoint of I was a little bit upset personally. Yeah. Tim was a bit upset. Yeah. I feel let down by Aprilia that it wasn't there so that I could sit on it and pull the clutch and kick tires. Yeah. Everything you do. Have take a little some photos, wiggle guess, around. Have yeah. a little wiggle. Sit on the pillion seat. See if it pulses. <laughs> Very pleasing. <laughs> but yeah, my next pick was going to be, I did like the MV stand and I did like the, the bikes they've got on there. The Brutale was, uh, is very cool. Um, what was the slightly bigger one? What was the... the there was the uh, 1000 RR, but then there was the Rush. Did the you see that? The with the yeah, disc wheel. Yeah, I did see the Rush, yeah. It's a bit silly, ones. isn't it, that? In a, a good way. Yeah. Like... A little bonkers. It's a crazy looking bike. And then, were you thinking of the Fed Super Veloce? No, no, well, that was very nice. No, I was thinking more from the standpoint of stuff that I, you know, would class within range of, you know, what I can afford. So the Brutale was one, because obviously they oh. start at, what, 8,009? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, like there that. was two models. And then there was the... the Dragster. So they had the Brutale and the Dragster. They were both yes, the Dragster. Rosso. Yes, the Rosso ones. Rosso yeah, and it models. Was, sorry, it was 10,000, like 10,900 or something for the uh, Brutale and 11,000 something for the uh, Dragster. Dragster, which actually looking at it, I think I preferred. It was a nice bike, the Dragster. Didn't, yeah, didn't there's not a great deal in it. There's like no, I mean, slightly different tire sizes, slightly different mm -hmm. designs, slightly different wheelbase. Yeah, um, cosmetically, yeah, I mean the tail, like the, the rear section on the uh, the dragster was nicer. True, that has really the, nice. The one with the folding out passenger foot pegs, and they just oh, fold okay. back up and they integrate into it. It's really so beautifully designed. Yeah. And one of those bikes where, and I mean, we've mentioned this before with any bike that you get tested. One of the first things you do when you grab it is, you know, I might change that. I might change the indicators. You sort of scan over it, and in your mind, you might think, yeah. you know, I'd neaten up the the rear section, a bit of the fairing. Um, I don't know that there's necessarily anything I would do to the Dragster to make it Well, here's the nicer. thing with something like the Dragster though, is if you take something like a, with, you know, you had your V7, I had uh, my Street Twin. Yeah. They're very much like a, a blank motorcycle canvas, as I've said. Yeah. And so you can look at it and say, well, I'd put these indicators on that are kind of generic fit. Yeah. Or this headlight, or I'd put these kinds of mirrors. Mm -hmm. But the MVs are such everything, almost everything on the design of that bike is integrated or bespoke. There's yeah. not really anywhere that generic yeah. parts will fit. And so I think that's why you look at it and you're just like, well, how... I couldn't even change that tail light if I wanted, especially no. like on the dragster. It's like a, uh, <laughs> it's like a wiggly. Oh no, yeah, it's shape. Yeah, there's just there, there is. You couldn't put a tail tidy on that. No, you couldn't do anything to tidy up that rear section. I'm sure someone makes bits somewhere well, maybe, because but it's going to be expensive. Presumably, well, yeah. I mean, that that's what I was thinking. That anyone who can afford. Uh, I mean, those cheaper MVs are great, but most of them start around 15, 16 grand yeah. or whatever. Anyone who can afford that yeah. is probably also willing to part with. Well, and it won't be off the shelf stuff either. I'm guessing that it'll be bespoke or made to order. Or small kind of batches, stuff, right? So yeah, that's very small. Cost is high. Because, yeah, you don't see a lot of MVs. No, and all that, it'd be silly the for them to make loads of the custom stuff as well, because there are less, just less of them on the road. There's less of them being sold yeah. as well. Um, 
but it's well then it's a damn good thing that it is so pretty just straight out off the shelf so there's not there isn't necessarily anything I would personally do to it and if I took something like if you compare it to say the street triple where there are things I know I would want to do to that to sort of tweak it if the money I would spend on the street triple would make it up to the same value as the MV would I go for the MV I don't know maybe the only thing I would maybe get put off by is uh, is the actual living with it for myself personally getting it serviced and stuff or finding someone that I would trust to kind of work on it might be a little bit of a mission well, uh, so realistically it's for those who can afford when we were on the social stand this afternoon uh, Bob Mitson I think his surname is yeah uh, Bob comments quite a lot on the channel and he, ca- he was there today so he came over to say hello and he introduced me to his son who previously had owned two MVs yeah and my first question was like did you sell them because they're unreliable because that's what people say yeah and he said no never had a single problem with either of them yeah he, he said they were just a bit I think one of them was too too maybe the second one was too tall for him so he kind of just got something else oh, okay. um, but that was interesting I mean I know that's anecdotal that's only one example yeah. of someone having a good experience but I wonder if some of the reputational stuff I don't know what you know, the how rep- long does it hang around for? Well, I mean, the reputation doesn't necessarily put me off. What would uh, what just concerns me is, you know, you could get any bike. You could have a Triumph, and it could just be a duffer, and yeah. it will fail on you. But you know where, you know, how many Triumph dealers have you got that you could take it to to fix it? Or other garages that could just have a go? Because they're fairly, you know, common, generic bikes to sort of work on. I don't know that I'd want to just trust somebody to have a go learning on my MV how to fix it and trying to find an actual dealership to sort of fix it. It's a real small thing. It's it's not the most interesting of points to bring up, but it is something which dictates my choice from just purely pragmatic standpoint. You know what? I think I... But beautiful bikes. I once researched, uh, like, most reliable motorcycle brands and found a really interesting report Right. where perhaps they found a thousand people for each of the major motorcycle brands yeah. to kind of survey them on like how often they had to go in for war- like you know warranty covered repairs or whatever yeah. Yeah. and it was really interesting and I think it played out as you'd expect in that Japanese, uh, yeah, Japanese big four quite reliable but there were some surprises in there I can't remember I think Harley were either surprisingly reliable or like the worst one <laughs> Um, pretty extremely different yeah uh, my, my, you know, my point now is not to recollect the exact report but more that I yeah. should dig it out because I think it would make an interesting quiz for you in a future episode I would like that yeah it's been a while since I've done a quiz yeah well we've been on the road a lot we've been on location we've been... I've been longing for quizzes uh, yeah well definitely can't get your laptop out now no I'm concentrating so we will yeah we'll pick that up again don't let me forget I'll text you yeah well yeah, thanks. Remind me. I will me. keep prompting you. I can't be trusted to remember anything right now because I'm, you know, trying to multitask a little bit. I know, I understand. Um, then I so shall remind you. I was just thinking about what else we saw at the show. We saw the 1050 XT V-Strom yep. at the beginning. I quite like it. Yeah, I mean, that kind of kicked off our uh, entry that was just there when we walked in. And it was nice actually yeah I'm not particularly be, uh, particularly familiar with the bike it's based on but um, seeing them side by side it's good when a brand does that because if it's not a bike that you're necessarily that familiar with it's nice to see the original because then you can see how they've kind of got their influence it's a, I mean, it was good to, to, I think to explain the 
the original. Uh, not the original, sorry. The the kind of... You said you don't know about the bike. Oh, you mean you didn't know about the bike that it was based on the yeah. DR Big? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I read up a little bit about that. It's a bit of an iconic bike from the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. and was quite successful in some Dakar. I think it was the biggest... At the time, the biggest, most powerful single-cylinder bike you could buy. It was something like 600cc. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I could ever... S- the thing is, I, I like the look of what they've done. I like that they've made it more retro because yeah. it, it was a bit of a boring bike, maybe the V-Strong. It was perhaps just quite affordable. Like, if you wanted to get good value for money on the yeah. adventure bike category, a big a little just twin, a you know. pony workhorse do everything yeah it'll do the job and um, people I mean people talk about them that I've met here they haven't been sort of high regard as far as reliability decent enough bike goes but I, yeah I don't know that it's lighting a fire under anyone um, the V-Strom uh, necessarily it's not that kind of bike really that someone's going to get really excited over but it's got a bit more flair and history and heritage and oh but this one does yeah, yeah the V-Strom yeah. standard yeah no one's really so it's yeah, a move in the right direction I feel like it might be a little bit uh, similar kind of story to what they did with the Katana as far as reactions go I feel like that might be kind of how it plays out with Suzuki's yeah would you agree what, in that they've just, like... The people will, will be like, oh, that's cool, but I don't know that it's going to go much further than that. Why? Has the Katana sold... Or, you, or do you mean they just haven't developed that line of bikes, really? It was... I think there was a bit it's of a excitement over the... Well, yeah. no, I think there was a bit of excitement. It was like, oh, cool, they've made a new Katana. And then people went, oh, it's, oh, it's just, just GSX-S. Yeah. And then just went, eh, it's okay. I think it's going to be a similar... It seems like it might be a similar story, but that might just be me. I just feel like that might be the way it goes. Yeah, it's almost like they've got the platform for the V-Strom. And at the moment, retros are popular, so they've put a, a retro tank and fairing yeah. and beak and headlight on it. Yeah. Maybe like in a year or two time, the uh, more angular Kawasaki look will be really fashionable, and maybe they'll just do that with it. But it's still <laughs> yeah. basically the same. Because for this, they did um, improve the motor a bit. They gave it six or so extra horsepower. Right. So it's up to like 101 or 105, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and now it's Euro 5 compliant, which is also good, but it's yeah. lost a bit of torque yeah. in the mid-range. But the frame and the suspension, pretty much the same. It does get an IMU now. Yeah. And it has some it has some quite cool uh, functions from the IMU. Yeah. So it has, much like in a Range Rover, where you can control the speed of descent yeah. off-road, uh, it has that. Mm-hmm. And it also has, I think I mentioned to you earlier, load sensitive braking. So if it detects that there's a lot of weight, then it applies a bit more braking, I guess, which is quite cool. And uh, what else did it get? Oh, hill hold start. We we were saying about that. A lot of bikes, especially the big ones, like the Rocket 3, I think has, um, am I saying that right? Hill hold start, or is it hill start hold? Because you're doing a hill start, or is it a hold start on a hill? (laughs) Anyway. It basically, it's a, bit, back a lot it. of cars get that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. Like a handbrake, basically, for a bike. Yeah. Uh, rather than just putting your foot on it. I guess it gives you a little bit more freedom, yeah, if you're on a, if you're on the hill. Well, if you're too up with bike. luggage yeah, no, on a big bike like I, that. It really does. It has a use. It's not just uh, novelty. I can see a use for it, definitely. Um, yeah, they were cool. Ducati as well. I think there was uh, it was quite nice seeing the V4 Street Fighter in the flesh with those lovely, lovely aerodynamic fins. You said you would have those straight off. I did. 
because I can actually see the uh, the bolts from. Yeah, they'd be straight off there. Yeah. Do you, reckon, do you reckon that would compromise the handling? Do you reckon if I take them off, I go, whoa, it no needed a difference. <laughs> take them off and go, that's why they're there. My dad was with us today and he says that, I said, oh, do you think there'll be two bolt holes left if you took the winglets off the Panigale V4 um, or the V2? And he was like, oh, they probably do an accessory, like 50 quid, <laughs> just to cover the Lo bolt holes. Like, yeah, blanking plugs. Yeah. Um, they probably do, and that's, <laughs> that's probably not even a joke. The, uh, yeah, so they have the Ducati V4, which they have, obviously, have, so I've seen that at previous shows. I like the V4 a lot. I like the Panigale. The, I, I think the, oh, I'm pretty confident that the, the fins, the carbon fiber fins that were on these ones were a brand new edition, which, which obviously are unnecessary because they weren't on the previous iteration of it. And then obviously on the Street Fighter, which is brand new this year, the fins are just there as standard, but the fins are on. Um, and Street yeah. Fighter's got, I don't know why. I don't know why I talk about them as much as I do. Winglets. I think they just well, but I just think that they. Uh, <laughs> to tell me, we yeah. both talk about winglets, <laughs> winglets a lot. We love winglets, <laughs> like Tourette's. I just shining. find them funny. They're just funny. Um, to be fair, they weren't the only brand doing it. I saw it on other bikes as well. Um, I want to say I saw some kind of uh, winglet designs. Do we, on we didn't even go look at well. the. So yeah, the Rush has some kind of winglets. Yeah, there's a, there's more than a few bikes have these some form of advanced aerodynamics on them or just you know improved aerodynamics the fireblade has them we didn't fireblade definitely has them we didn't go look at that though we didn't actually um don't know why uh really probably should have done but it didn't really drag me that way um but yeah it was that was quite cool i quite liked ktm as well i know you're not a massive fan necessarily i don't think you're necessarily that excited by them but I do like KTM, they were just over from Husqvarna that have, Husqvarna's got some new colorways, but that's pretty much it, same bikes. Oh, Spoke Wheels as well was on You the, know what, I like that. Was it the Svart Pillar or the That Vip was the Vip Pillar that we saw in the blue. In a blue with, paint, it looked great. So they've a great, it's, it's more expensive because of it, but it is, uh, it's got a really, really nice blue color to it. It had Spoke Wheels, those are the two sort of main additions for it uh, this time around. I believe the suspension was slightly tweaked as well. I'm guessing maybe because of the Spoke Wheels, they've sort of played around with it a little bit as well. Um, the KTM's though, the 1290 Super Duke, I love it. I really like that. Do you? I do. I didn't necessarily originally, it looks really compact now. Sitting on it, I mean, again, you can't tell anything from sitting on it, but it doesn't necessarily feel like my kind of bike to live with, but looking at it, I, the more I look at them, it's kind of like when I bought my uh, my Yamaha MT-03, where the first time I ever saw that bike, I thought it was dog ugly. And then the more I looked at it, it kind of fascinated me because it just looks so strange that it drew me in. And then eventually you sort of think it's quite attractive. Um, similar with the KTM, they look to have made it a little more streamlined and compact and, uh, and um, yeah, just a little bit more solid, I guess, just drawn in a little bit more. Um, but I think they got the proportions about right on the 1290. I think we probably saw the, uh, was it 890 they've got in there as well? That's a new one. Yeah, and they um, had the 390 Adventure briefly. as well. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of that? Indifferent from the did side? I, yeah, I, they did have that. Yeah, 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 moving on. No, did I sit on that one? I sat on one of their adventures. I don't think so. But yeah, it's the new small capacity adventure bike, which looks quite nice. Yeah. Um, but I just, I'm not really in, that mindset I mean, I'm not really in the market for that so but no. I think if you were maybe on a restricted license or maybe you wanted something lightweight 
Yeah. It actually looks pretty cool. Yeah. Like, it's got good specs and, uh, yeah, it has a bit of a big bike look to it. It has, like, the same swing arm as their bigger adventure bikes. Yeah. But the thing with the KTMs is I think the sort of enduro bikes and all of that side of their range look great in orange because those bikes are meant to be kind of yeah. loud. Yeah. I just... Yeah. It's and relentless, I, the use it's, of orange. It's divisive. People who like it, like it. People who hate yeah. it, hate it. It's, um, I don't, it very rarely catches people in the middle. It is distinctive, um, isn't it? It's a little yeah. bit like the, you know, the Dutch football team. Like you wouldn't mistake that kit for anyone else. It's just all orange. Yeah. And all the fans go in orange. And it's a bit like that. You know, you go to the stand and that, you're like, what what colour have they done the floor at the stand? Orange. What colour have they done the walls? Orange. They've got some orange brochures with the people wearing yeah. orange t-shirts. You know, and you're like, just contrast that a little, just a little bit, just for me. Just make it, just go for another colour as well. well you, you Have can, a palette. You don't can, just go for one colour. You can get their bikes in black sometimes or white sometimes. Oh, yeah, no, well, the K2 With some orange, though, black. yeah. Okay. Like, normally, if you go white... Oh, there's always some orange on it. Yeah, it's an orange well, bit. You better like orange, is yeah, all I will say with them. Yeah, it's quite rare that anyone would say orange. Like, you know, you go and ask a... Which I do quite often now, <laughs> having a toddler. Go and ask survey a thousand children what their favorite color is none of them are going to say orange where do you find a thousand children uh, um, really big it's school. a lot of leg work but <laughs> no it rarely comes up name one person who said their favorite color is orange i quite like orange it's not my favorite color exactly i like it now though i only like it because my triumph was orange and it sort of drew me in right and i have a history with it and therefore that color sort of stands out to me that's why i like it well although judging by my views people don't like it on my branding so i might what do you mean on violently your, away on your branding well either I've changed the branding it's what either branding? either people on my channel I've what, changed the kind of channel and stuff yeah changed oh, it to go a little more orange oh you did used to have um, orange in your I've made it more orange so, I've, I've committed to the orange tell me about your Maybe thumbnails people criticising your thumbnails what was that about oh I don't think there's necessarily criticism but the views have gone down I don't because think, you made it orange I think my thumbnails aren't landing all my videos are rubbish and YouTube hates me it's oh could be half a dozen one and but did you literally make your thumbnails orange and then the views dropped off because that's pretty close that to, correlates yeah. to my findings in my 1000 child close. survey <laughs> yeah i didn't yeah exactly huh does that mean i'm just getting children watching my videos or not as the case may be because no one likes the color orange yeah either way it i think it's conclusive me. The 1290R, uh, Super Duke 1290, yes. wait, 1290 Super Duke R. Super Duke, yeah. That was busy at Milan as well. Loads yeah. of people all, all over it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're probably right, and I just don't get it. No, I mean, I like it. I don't know whether I'd want to be... I don't know whether the KTM crowd is the most inviting to me. What? That, that's the, this is a good question, actually. What of the whole show do you think you saw a crowd around or a bit of hype around and you just didn't feel like you understood it do you know what I mean like that's kind of a little bit how it, I wouldn't say entirely like I get that they are incredible bikes to ride as well mm -hmm. but like visually I don't like the praying mantis type front end of yeah, yeah, it, it's not you know it's all personal preference I didn't used to like street triples with the bug eyes yeah. now they kind of grown on me yeah exactly so like I, I, it can change I'm not I'm not slagging off anyone who's got a KTM but sometimes you get that don't you where you're at a show everyone's all over something and you're just like what was I'm trying to think what was the busiest I mean Ducati was really busy BMW was really busy and KTM was really busy. And KTM, we went there early, so actually it was busy for the time of day that it was as well, so that was hard to sort of gauge against the others where we got some later. 
I think they were the busiest stands we were, I, I picked up. Yeah. Ducati, certainly, that was really hard to walk around. Yeah, very, um, very busy. And not the not the scramblers, actually. There was plenty of room around them. They had two kind of separate stores. They have the scramblers kind of his own brand, weirdly, almost. You know they're two separate companies? I did not know that. that I, would I'm make pretty sense. sure that's how it's run. Right, okay. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense why there's so many versions here as well. Because they, if you if you try and... If you go on... Um, Things like if you go on Ducati.com and click in the nav bikes scramble, it does take you to, page, to a separate yeah. website. Yeah, it does. It's a different domain. That is that makes yeah sense to me now. Uh, things are coming together with that. Certainly, the branding does look different. So they do look like two different companies actually. Um, but obviously, then over towards the monsters, the Diavol, the V4, the Panigales, and everything else. Um, they that was the busiest one of the busiest stands certainly to walk around BMW but, definitely was as well but, but like what I'm trying like, I, yeah, I know what you mean is which one therefore had loads of people around it and I was like I don't get it I don't like it yeah I don't know that I noticed many I did which one I wasn't just asking you so that I I'm could glad you've got an answer tee myself up to like <laughs> give some kind of like incredibly well thought out answer it's just that while I asked you I was like hmm and because you said BMW I don't think I love the new F900R and XR. Sure. There's a lot of people around those because they're new bikes. And I know that the S1000XR is really popular. So it's no surprise that these 900 parallel twins are popular as well. Yeah. But I was saying to my dad, I was looking at them and I'm like, if I had the money to buy one of these, I'd be looking at getting uh, R1250R, which is a bit more expensive, but maybe I could get a used one, mm-hmm. or one of the R90s, which are um, objectively beautiful motorcycles. Yeah. And they come in all flavors as well. You can get a racer, you can get a scrambler, you can get the pure, you know, you can do whatever you want with that platform. Yeah. Um, those are BMWs to me with the Boxer Twin. I just don't know if I could really it would be a very practical decision and not a decision made with your heart to drop that money on a new parallel twin road bike from BMW. And they almost look Japanese in their design, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but like... The, the, I know what you mean. The GS, for example, the you know the 1250 GS, that is distinctively a BMW. It looks a little bit functional yeah. and not too much bodywork and you know sculpting there's a lot of like the mechanics on show there that's kind of how I feel about it and similarly even some of the big tourers like the um, RT and those kinds of bikes the K1600 they definitely have their own BMW style that they've kind of carried on but yeah these new F900s I just feel like they're a little bit like it could be a Yamaha or something. Not quite, but... I understand, I understand what you mean. But people love them. Yeah, I get what you mean. I think they will sell just fine. I think that people will be happy with them. I'm pretty sure they're good bikes as well. They must be. Um, I, yeah, BMW has a relatively high standard of quality as far as their machines go. So I'm, I have no doubts that they are nice bikes. But I do sort of understand what you mean. That If you were going for it, if you're gonna maybe sort of overplay it, but save up to and you were like, I really, really want a BMW, and you got it, it's kind of it's like the entry level or not quite a hundred percent thoroughbred BMW feeling 
yeah. it wouldn't have the same sort of payoff. But what if maybe if you built uh, up the brand? If you're going into the brand, if you're looking at it and you just want the bike and you think that's a good bike, it looks like it's you know uh, well made and it it looks fun to to use. I'll go with that bike because it's a good bike. Then fair enough. If you you're looking at BMW and you go, I want a BMW, that wouldn't be the one you'd. It wouldn't necessarily maybe live up to your expectations of the bike that you wanted. You'd want to get the like say the the boxer twin or i wonder if they they might sell a few to people who it's like their second bm so let's say you've got an s1000 rr and you love it but you need something for commuting maybe the f900 xr is a little bit like a sport tourer practical bike put some luggage on it and also you could argue maybe if you your pride and joy is your gs or your big k k1600 and you wanted a mm, smaller bike for just you know, whatever kind of riding, then maybe the, the F900R makes some kind of sense. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm talking in like, you must be pretty loaded, but then again, to buy some of those other bikes, you know, these people have a bit of cash. A lot or, of the or stuff maybe there. Really you're right, it's an entry into it. But anyway, they just no, didn't, they didn't I mean, light my fire. If you were like, I, want, I really want a BMW, and you just, you're enamored with the brand and the, the style of BMW, you go into it, that would feel like a bit of a cop out. Because it wouldn't necessarily feel authentically the same as a boxer twin. They definitely didn't resonate with my inner mecha file. <laughs> they didn't pleasure me in the same way the live wire pleasured you, let's say that much. Um, well, <laughs> few bikes ever will, Rob. So that was something I thought was maybe a little overappreciated. Although I can <laughs> see they're probably... <laughs> Sorry, I only played that back in my head what you just said to me. Um, yeah, that's one I bike that, you. yeah, Fine. maybe, I don't know, on a personal level, it just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, Anything you think that was, like, underappreciated? Because, like we said, the, the Ducati Scrambler stand was quite quiet, although, mm -hmm. to be fair, there wasn't really anything new apart from the Icon Dark, no. which is a, a new, cheaper model with the, everything's just matte black, so yeah. it's really cheap. It's like seven and a half grand, which is now the entry. I mean, it must be the cheapest Ducati, is it? Ooh. Um, maybe. If it's not, it's close to. They don't it's really tend be. to dip much under about eight grand. A monster <laughs> is probably the only other one that could be close. Um, and that's not going to be seven maybe. and a half grand, is it? No, I think I think they're eight and probably a, like eight and a half or something probably for the small one. Unless they still make the forty-two, the smaller A2 uh, scrambler. I don't oh, know if they yeah. still do. That would be, that would be the cheapest. Um, Good shout. Anything underplayed? I didn't, do you know what, I walked back through Norton without you a little later on and I think that was conspicuously quiet, it was, there was a lot of room to move around, Again. no one hit my backpack the second time I walked through there, so that was, uh, that was, what I say was underappreciated, maybe, I don't know, but it was definitely quieter and it's, it can be an exciting brand, I guess and they have got new bikes launched. Well, have they though? The Atlas, no. it's been out for ages. They just need to produce it. Like that buzz is quite possibly yeah. gone. Well, true. Uh, yeah. And actually, at previous shows or different shows, the London one actually is relatively busy, actually, when I walk through it from time to time. Uh, anyone else that was relatively so, quiet? Well, it wasn't necessarily quiet. It was just early in the day. But one little range of bikes that we had a good sit on and we both quite liked was oh, this yeah. Indian Scout Bobber and the Indian Scout 60, which is the A2, like, 1,000cc. I'm still never going to be able to wrap my head around that. Yeah, it's a beast. But, it's ridiculous. Um, or at least it's available in A2. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It, it might be, a, a, like, an ECU 
thing but but yeah the, the Indian Scout Bobbers to be honest they are just growing on me massively I think you know if I had a little second maybe it's too close to something like a Street Twin because they're both sort of retro mm. um, but I just love the look of those now I think they've, I like the maybe I've just spent a bit of time doing more content around Indians lately I think that I couldn't decide whether the Scout 60 was my favourite. Maybe it was. It was certainly more comfortable to sit on. Yeah. Was that your but you can, you can, yeah, I think that was my phone. Yeah. You can configure them however you want though, right? Like, if you like the bars that were on the Scout 60, you could get those on one of the other ones. Um, yeah. They're yeah. quite interchangeable. No, I'm sure you could. Um, they look Just great. the one that I sat on, it was, yeah, it was great. It was nice. That was a nice feeling. I like that bike. We should, uh, I like it. I'm always saying we should go and test stuff. But Crazy Horse, they've got quite a few scouts. I'm fully so maybe if we do a, some point. a podcast at my place and we follow it up with a yeah. test ride on one of yeah. those. I mean, that, that'd be a down. day out. But, like um, it. Yeah. No, no, no I'm, good. I need to get down to Crazy Horse. I need to sit on those uh, properly. And I definitely need to ride one. I, uh, just, just to satisfy my own curiosity on it, it's one of the only brands... Um, one of the only kind of accessible brands, I might say, that uh, I haven't currently ridden, and uh, I think that needs remedying because they, they they do interest me. Every time I see one, I'm intrigued and just feel the urge to have a little play just to see. One um, thing that just stands out, well, it's probably like the main competitor is the Sportster, yeah. although they're quite a bit cheaper. I think the Scouts are maybe like eleven or twelve grand, and the Sportsters you can get them from about eight or nine, I think. Yeah, but I, th- I think. We both said they're just a bit more unusual. You mm-hmm. see more Harleys, which is fine. I'm not mm-hmm. hating on Harleys. I love them personally. Um, but yeah, just something a little bit more alternative about the the Indian. So I'm giggling because I uh, went. My head went back to. Uh, Are you <laughs> still thinking pleasure. about? Yeah, the yeah. Because oh, I, I mentioned Harley. <laughs> now you get you get a twinge. Oh, funny, yeah. Just sends a little shiver up my spine. <laughs> um, we have to start being quite careful around here because uh, I know this is going to sound like I'm tempting fate, but one of the only bumps I've ever had in a car was along this stretch of motorway, the M40, which is between <laughs> Birmingham and, and London. And it was one Christmas and we were coming back to London and we'd hired a, I think it was a BMW 1 Series. Right. And you know the Christmas traffic hell yes it took us something like eight hours to get from Lancashire down to around here where you're just coming not we're not quite there yet but near the M25 yeah where it intersects with the M40 and it was stop start and it was just so boring and it was maybe an hour of stop start traffic before eventually I nudged the back of someone because I was just like starting to zone out probably I'd just or been you in just the car. to move on. No, it was just <laughs> they, I think like, they, out of my they way. slammed on a little bit and then I nudged into the back of them. Yeah. And um, this does sound a little you know, fate tempting. You know, the one series has like a, or at least it did, it, the, the two sort of kidney grills on them yes. came to like a, they're at a slight angle yes. so that in between them, the nose of the car sticks, it protrudes ever so slightly. Yes. And the woman that we bumped into the back of or when I say we I'm sort of somehow incriminating my wife or <laughs> making it sound like we're both responsible it You're was entirely it me 
Um, yeah, don't start incriminating me if it happens again. So I nudged this car, and it sort of crushed the bumper. Right. And I just said to her, it will be a £1,000 for me. The, the, so the BM was fine, because it yeah. was a metal bit that protruded, and it just yeah. sort of crushed her plastic rear bumper, yeah. which I, it popped back out, yeah. but it had some paint damage, you know, yeah. but it was a bit of a junky old car. Uh-huh. But it was going to be a grand, you know, because and, and they say on the insurance documents when you hire a car, if you have any sort of bump, yeah. you have to inform us within 24 hours, otherwise you can be held liable for the entirety. Yeah. But I just thought, a grand, like that's the base excess or whatever. Yeah. for that hire company. So I just said to her, like, I don't think that's going to be more than a grand. Here's my number. Take the registration of the car so that if I don't pay you anything, you yeah. can... I'm, should I be admitting to this on podcast? Probably, probably not, no. <laughs> okay. No, what I did was <laughs> I... The thing is I misremembered then. What I did was uh, we just settled it through the car hire company and it cost me £1,000. But hypothetically... If I had not done that, and I could have just said to her, I'll just give you my phone number, yeah. let me know how much it comes to, Yeah. then uh, we could have done it that way. And then yeah. hypothetically, could what, what could have happened is she might not have called me for two weeks. Yeah. And then I might have been starting to sweat a little bit. Yeah. And thinking, maybe it's written off. You know, sometimes like miraculously a car yeah. gets nudged. Yeah. And then actually it's bent the chassis at the back. Yeah. And therefore it needs to be written off. And therefore you, you're liable for like, five grand I'm or something. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, hypothetically, I might have got a phone call. Yes. And she might have said to me, I've got some bad news. It's been a couple of weeks. I've take it, taken it to the body shop nearby. Mm. And I was like, hypothetically, I was thinking. Hypothetically, you would have been. This. Yeah, in in the uh, in in this figment yeah, of my nervous. imagination, yeah. I might have been thinking, "Oh, here we go. It's written off, and she wants a new car." Yeah. She said, "It's bad news. It's going to be a hundred pounds," and I just said, "I mean, hypothetically, in the in this situation, you would have said, yeah, I would have said, thank. No, I would have said that, that is bad news, but I'll yeah. hypothetically, I'll I'll pay it because you know." I would just want to honour my word. Yeah. And then I might have hung up and then fist pumped. Like, yes, I got, yeah. a, I got away with that. It's quite an imagination you got there. Yeah. And it's very uh, vivid, isn't it? It's quite the specific. description. Specific hypothetical story. Uh, if any lawyers are listening. I think we're good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. So, yeah, I always really... It does get chocker down here and so I do you, really concentrate. What you're saying in a roundabout way is we really should wrap up the podcast. Yes, I think I need to start concentrating. I also think adaptive cruise control is a gift. And mm. that was something we talked about today, that we were expecting the Multistrada to maybe get it or one of the KTMs. They've been spotted out testing it. So adaptive cruise control for anyone who's not used it. Yeah. Sorry if I'm patronizing the rest of you. It basically keeps a set distance behind cars. So you can't really ever run into the back of them. Yeah. And I've had it on higher cars. Yeah. And it is, I had a Volvo once and it was so good. Mm. It was so good. Even imagine, down to walking speed, it did it. I can imagine it being a little disconcerting on a bike though. But even if it just flashed up, bing, bing, you're about to hit the back of someone. Like, yeah. 
which some cars do. So it doesn't even need to hit the brakes for you on the yeah. Because I knew, I see what you're saying. In a car, it could hit the brakes for you, yeah. and you wouldn't lose stability. Well, but I, you, you kind of on a bike. You, I can't imagine. You be ready yeah, for it. I can't imagine it would lose stability because it would sure it would work in uh, in conjunction. I'm guessing with the ABS, so I'm sure it would be fine. But. If it just suddenly went, whoa, brakes, <laughs> on a bike. What, like if you're riding along with no hands? Yeah, sure, if, you, if, if you're flying like an eagle, hypothetically, if ever I've taken both my hands off the bike, hypothetically, that would be uh, bad. And flap my arms like wings. But then if you're doing that, don't go directly behind cars on the motorway. <laughs> no. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, sometimes I will take one arm off. Uh, no, I never do that, ever. And you can go back through my videos and prove that. Um, if you were riding along, I just think because because you're so uh, you are so much more connected with the bike and you're external to it. I just feel like, and it would be a good thing, I'm sure. But your heart would just do a, a quick little racing jump. Yeah. Or if it just if it slammed on, it'd be doing more of a racing jump if you're in the back of a van, though. So true. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but no, I, yeah, I was also surprised maybe not to see that on the KTMs. Maybe it means they've tested it and it's not quite ready, uh, and uh, perhaps it will be coming in the future. It probably will be, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which bikes that sort of lands on. I think it's it's probably just, what is it, KTM at the moment? Who are the other brands that are, that are uh, testing or trying it? Ducati have definitely been Ducati. spotted. Oh, no, yeah, you know I mean, what? They, they, yeah, they, their package they, is quite good. Their electrical package is quite advanced already. Because actually. they've said that, they've done press releases saying exactly what they're working on. Yeah. Because they have a rear sensor as well to tell you someone, if they think someone's going to run into the back of you. Mm -hmm. um, which is quite interesting. Whether you'd have time to move off or not, mm. I don't know. No, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, I think you're right though. On that note, and also all of those hypothetical situations probably got people's heads spinning. Now's probably a good time to wrap it up <laughs> before we incriminate ourselves further, or uh, before you get pleasured anymore by the thought of Harley Davidsons. Because we need full circle. Cool I'm glad you, you brought it in. I was trying to think of a way to muscle that into the conversation. <laughs> But thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a good day. Yeah. I think if you get a chance to go down this, because it's on for another nine it days. It runs or for a long time, yeah. Yeah, it's if over you get two a chance, weekends. It's, it's a good thing to go to. Uh, we were saying maybe I wouldn't go every year. If, you know, it's one of those things that you can take or leave if you're going to go every single year. Um, but Ooh. if it's a little hassle for you to get there, it's, it's a nice day out to look at bikes. Also, before we go, I'd just like to say we met with a, a, a guy called Dan who once honked his, he, he was driving a huge truck down the A2 and I was on my street twin and he just, he saw my bike, recognised the bike and just went <laughs> like on the horn of the truck and I was like, who's this? And then he was just waving and then about an hour later he messaged me on Instagram saying, sorry for like scaring <laughs> you with the horn of a giant truck. Uh, I was just, recognised you and was like, wait, and wanted to wave and I said, no worries, actually that's quite funny. Anyway, we met him today. Um, We've met a few people more recently. Yeah, and and Dan said that he listens to the podcast in in his truck on like longer drives and stuff. So if you're listening, uh, shout out to Dan and uh, nice to meet you. And nice to meet Bob as well. I don't know if Bob listens to the podcast or just watches um, the videos on YouTube, but nice to meet you as well as your son with his positive reviews of MV Augusta reliability. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been a wicked day. So thanks everyone for listening. 
and we'll be back soon. I'm not sure what our next next uh, adventure involves. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing necessarily planned as a as an outing or a trip, so I'll probably go back to normal. Back to the studio podcast setup. Yeah, yeah that'll be listening. nice. All right.